Hello, you mindful mamas, and welcome back to the Enlightened Hood Podcast. I am your host, Lena Lemos, and today we are talking about something that is very near and dear to my heart, and that is postpartum. As many of you know, I am a new mama, and yesterday my daughter just turned three months old, so I am officially out of the fourth trimester, as they call it. I just wanted to give you almost a spark note version of my postpartum journey because I feel like if I can share my story and help any mama out there who may realize that she's not alone in this and is having a similar experience to me and help one person feel a little less alone in this crazy journey of motherhood that I've done my job for today. So, (sighs) wow. I talk a little bit about this in this episode, but emotionally and spiritually, because of enlightenment, I feel so blessed that I've been able to connect with amazing women who have really helped me in the postpartum depression department. I have felt so energized and so connected to very strong and understanding women. And I think that has helped, especially being alone every day with the baby that has helped my soul and my mind, but my body has been a different story. I had a breast reduction surgery when I was 20 years old. And at the time they told me, we think you'll be able to breastfeed. And it always kind of sat in the back of my mind. And I didn't think much of it until I was in the hospital And I wasn't able to breastfeed. My daughter wasn't getting anything. And then when my milk came in, it would not come out. I spent hours every day pumping and could barely get anything out. I ended up getting mastitis, feeling so sick, having flu-like symptoms, and it was just terrible. And on top of that, the lactation consultants in the hospital just made me feel so much shame around it. And I think at the time I was just so tired and so pumped up on adrenaline that I never really took the time to sit with that. And I don't know if I still really have sat with that because I think that I have done enough self-work to know that it's not my fault and fed is best. So that was the beginning of my postpartum journey. And my daughter, so most of my delivery was spent, my daughter was stuck in my pelvis. So it was spent trying to get her head out, up and over. Um, So the left side of my pelvis up until very recently was very sore. So I was off balance. I could barely walk. Putting any pressure on the left side of my body was very hard for me. And then this is where it gets a little crazy because I feel like that's those first two things are almost typical postpartum. I know a lot of mothers who have had mastitis and a lot who just have those aches and pains of giving birth. But then, and I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, (laughs) I got a really terrible second degree burn on two of my fingers on the left side of my hand. And I'm going to be completely honest with you that this burn, they were from an oven pizza, (laughs) but the burns were so bad that they would get so close to healing and then blister over and start leaking all this pus. And that happened at the beginning of April. And just now it is almost July and they're just healing. 
So my left hand has been a little sensitive, hard to use, hasn't really healed that well. And the, the non-healing of this injury, despite it being from pizza, is what really made me kind of question what was going on with my body because it wasn't healing. And then I got this weird stomach virus, um, with terrible neck pain and 102 fever. And I was delirious and it was fun because I had just recorded a podcast and I told my husband that it was going to be the first day that I was going to get back to working out and I was feeling it. And then I went upstairs and I sat down and all of a sudden I said, I do not feel good. And I started to get weird chills. And he said, oh, it's probably just psychosomatic because you don't really want to work out. And at first I was like, that's probably true. But then I went upstairs and I took my temperature and it was 102. And then I spent a week of just being on this weird roller coaster of having a fever and the worst body ache. And I had to go to urgent care because I didn't know if it was the flu or strep. And they put me in quarantine because the neck hurt and they didn't know if I had meningitis and then on top of this, I got a cyst on my tailbone. So while I wanted to rest, I could barely sit down because it hurt so bad. And then the cyst ended up rupturing and be fine. <sighs> and then I got a sty in my eye. So I was having this weird thing. And I think some of it was allergy based as well, where in the middle of the night, when I would wake up to feed my daughter, when I would open my right eye, it just felt like someone had stabbed me in the eye. And you know that terrible feeling in your eye when you feel like there's something in there and the blood just like pulsates through your face in the most painful way. So that would happen every time I would open my eye in the middle of the night. Um, yeah. And then I started to get this raised thing on the side of my face. And at first I thought it was a pimple and then it was getting bigger and bigger and more pressure. And there was this huge red area around my face and it turned out to be a very aggressive staph infection. So I had to go back to urgent care two weeks later for them to get it drained and they took a bunch of tests and put me on a strong antibiotic immediately. And then I got a call three days later that, oh, wait, the antibiotic that we put you on, the bacteria in your staph infection is resistant to that. So let's start you on a new antibiotic. So they started me on a new antibiotic. And of course, motherhood, don't get a chance to eat, took it, had nothing in my stomach, and I puked my brains out. <laughs> And then I went to my primary care doctor and was just telling her how I was really concerned that all these weird infectious and inflammation things were happening and nothing was healing. And I just felt like I had no control over my body. And she just looked at me and she said, have you ever been tested for mono? So I got a bunch of blood work done that day and lo and behold, I have mono. So it has been a very wonderful 13 and a half weeks. Uh, <laughs> I finally feel today more like myself than I have in a really long time. I finally feel like my body, my soul, and my mind are all coming together slowly and surely. And the mono has been a very interesting thing because... I, of course, every single symptom, I was looking up Louise, hey, what does this mean? What does this mean? And they were all just these manifestations of anger and resentment. And that made me just feel so anxious because I was showing up for enlightenment. I was doing all this work, but I kept having all these weird 
infections and inflammations and spiritually they're supposed to be manifestations of anger. And I just felt so anxious that I had no control over any of this. And it took a very long time to just say, okay, stop, breathe. You have control over this. Your body needs to heal. And like Chelsea and I talk about in this podcast, I'm giving myself unrealistic milestones. What I'm doing with Enlightenhood right now is completely amazing. And yes, my body had a very weird series of events, but it's going to take time to heal and time is okay. And I think that's for me, listening back to this conversation was one of the biggest takeaways for someone going through postpartum right now. And especially with accepting my new body and just feeling like my new self, it has been really hard, but just been so amazing to connect with all these wonderful women who are, who really just light you up and make you realize I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. And there is a very wonderful support system out there. So for any mama going through postpartum right now, I feel you. I see you. You are doing amazing. Keep it up. We are here for you. You got this. It is all going to be okay. And I really hope that you enjoy this conversation with Chelsea Skaggs. She's a postpartum coach and her insight on postpartum and the standards we put on ourselves is just so beautiful. And she was just such a wonderful soul to talk to. So here's Chelsea. I don't know where my brain, it's so funny because I I feel kind of put together, but then there's just, I have these moments where I'm like, oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I just did that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've a few times I've tried to scoop formula into like my protein shake. <laughs> yeah. It could be the other way around. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's oh. happened a few times. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. More I, than I'd like to admit. <laughs> pretty sure if you shared that, you would have some people say you're not the only one. <laughs> and you have one daughter, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, okay. she'll be eight weeks old on Monday. Oh wow. So yeah, you are fresh. Yes, deep. Fresh and deep. <laughs> deep in postpartum. Yeah. And I was reflecting on it today and I was thinking to myself, this has been a lot easier than I imagined, but also so, 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 so much harder. Yeah. And I could have imagined. And yeah. I mean easier just because I think because I feel energized from working on enlightenment and having conversations with all these other mothers that I've really felt so connected and like I'm not alone. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle postpartum. Yes. But that has been a blessing in my case. But then also just I'm also home alone all day. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's it's been an interesting ride the last eight weeks. Yeah, definitely can relate. <sighs> so where to even start? So I assume that your story starts postpartum. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So I will say my story um, in relation to what we're talking about today starts back in my first postpartum, <clears throat> and maybe even my first pregnancy because I had just this picture of what I expected um, and even more what I expected of my child, my baby, more what I expected of myself. And so I spent my first postpartum journey really 
trying to live up to that expectation and then <laughs> getting good at covering up when I wasn't living up to it, but I wanted to make it look like I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was absolutely exhausting and really uh, stole joy from from the time and from just myself. And so I was very intentional the second go around to do things in a way that was more fluid, um, more empowered, and caring a lot less about um, what other people thought and these, you know, expectations I built from books and social media and TV and stories and the the beautiful things that we see. Um, I wanted to really break down some of those barriers. How did you imagine it was going to go? Mm. Well, my first time, I had a lot of focus on (laughs) making sure I had an activity with my baby every day, Mm. Um, had a huge focus on my postpartum body, which is, um, you know, a huge part of my story now, just that shift in mindset. I felt like, okay, well, now I'm a mom. This is, you know, the milestones my child should be hitting. But by this point, I should have lost the baby weight. By this point, I should be working the same amount of hours or at least bringing in, you know, the same amount of income. Um, At this point, you know, I should have this many play dates as a, as a work from home slash stay at home mom, whatever we are in this chaos. Uh, and so I just, I had a lot of milestones in my head and I, I just wanted to be this mom that had this picturesque experience. And then how did it really go? (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) I, I spent, I don't know if I, realize this in the moment, but in reflection, I spent more time trying to make it look better than it was than I did really being in the moment and learning what that moment was teaching me and, and, you know, what my child was actually discovering and how he was actually growing. Um, and how I was, how I was feeling and growing. I really put, um, my experience on the back burner as far as processing it and asking myself questions about my own mental and emotional health. And I really just poured it all into a couple of buckets that I felt like I could control. Um, And I think for me, motherhood was an extension of my need to control. That's always been something I've struggled with throughout my life. And I wanted to be able to control the outcomes, the timelines, how they looked. And as any mom would, would be able to say and laugh, like we, we totally can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I spent a lot of time though, trying to curate that in a way. Yeah, I find myself saying that so often now that, oh, I I have a newborn, so time isn't really a thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah. I totally get it now, but I, I really recognize that and I really relate to that feeling the need to control because I feel like I'm on that similar path right now of just thinking, oh, she's eight weeks and this should happen and I should feel this way and I should be this way. And everyone else that I see on social media is already doing this. And it's so hard not to compare yourself to everyone else. It is. is. And even as, you know, you and I are 
both people who speak up and and talk about that i think it's fair to say that we still struggle with that as much as we want to speak life and empowerment and encouragement to women it's Mm -hmm. something we all struggle with oh yeah we're just human and we're genetically wired to compare ourselves to others genetics yeah biology (laughs) what did you do to us (laughs) so then how did you start to realize that this was something that you could take control of and really step into your power and Mm. really start to empower other women well I think it came from a complete loss of control um May so May of 2018 was when I kind of just started to have a, a really difficult year. Um, I went to my anatomy scan with my daughter and found out that she had heart defect. And that was something that I knew nothing about. Um, I had doctors say very scary things to us. And we just felt like we were thrown into this whole new world. Um, a week later on June 7th, I lost my grandmother, who was the strongest rock of our family. Um, did tremendous things in raising me and was one of my best friends. And that spun a lot of things for me in, in seeing, um, gosh, what we cannot control and the energy that is wasted by striving to control, or at least look like we have control when Mm -hmm. really life gives us a lot of opportunities to, ebb and flow and go through these different seasons and experience different things. Um, I had never really in my life given myself time to mourn and to step back and to not have it all together um, Mm. until that month when just it was a devastating time for me. And I knew that I could either (laughs) crumble and be upset or I could allow myself to feel the full array of my feelings, but still choose strength and still choose to, uh, to, to learn from the experiences. And that really overflowed into how I saw the rest of my pregnancy. Um, you know, I, My first birth was a a home birth. I had a lot of control of the setting, of who was there, of what what kind of went on in that atmosphere. In my second, uh, we had medical complexities, and there were all these people in the room I didn't know. I was not in the setting that I would have chosen. But from there, I realized, you know, I have the opportunity, maybe not to control the outcomes, but to control how I perceive these situations, how I respond to them, and how I let them be a part of my story. Wow. And then you grew from there. Yeah. Yes. And now we're here. It's- yes. Yeah. The hardest year has definitely been the biggest year of growth and feeling more like myself than I ever did before. Um, I think from loosening the reins and uh, not striving so much to try to fit things into these boxes. So then it's been almost a year. Mm -hmm. When did you you give birth? I had my daughter on October 25th of 2018. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So it's been, I can't do math. So she's about six and a half months. (laughs) (laughs) Totally fair. What is today? I don't even know. Oh, yeah. It's almost, it's summer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. The postpartum brain. Oh, yes. Math is not, time's not a thing. Math's not a thing. Yes. So then you really found your voice and you found yourself and you realized that you could help other women do the same in terms of postpartum. And you had this vision of hashtag this is postpartum. Well, to be fair, someone else created that hashtag. Ah. Uh huh. And so I had actually seen it and was inspired by starting to share their stories. And I thought, how could I approach postpartum in a way that was more... Uh, celebratory, accepting, and staying true to myself. So hmm. the, you know, the credit for that hashtag definitely goes to um, a couple other bloggers who are just incredible, incredible examples. But it did give me, it was the first time I saw people living in a more authentic experience mm-hmm. online um, and gave me just this vision for creating that kind of space specifically, um, not just body image postpartum, but these different pillars of postpartum that we go through. And what has the reception been so far and the way you've connected with other mothers? Yeah, it, so a little backstory. I, when I had my son, um, I was doing health coaching, which is part of the reason I felt so much pressure on myself with postpartum body. And that was, Mm -hmm. um, just a big, struggle for me in a lot of ways. Um, But after I realized I did not want to focus on the health, my son was about a year and a half. um, I didn't want to focus just on physical health. My son was about a year and a half and I took a couple clients just on mindset, coaching, um, finding your self-worth, empowerment. And from there, I really found this niche of postpartum women who are saying, look, there are these expectations. Again, there are these milestones. There are these timeframes that are given to us and we feel alone. Um, And the more I started to talk about it, specifically after having my daughter, the more I started to share posts about feeling uncomfortable in my body, about um, having really heightened anxiety in these different situations, about struggling to connect with my husband, um, feeling lost in my own identity. The more I started to share these things, the more it seems like women flocked to the conversation. Um, my favorite mm-hmm. thing is Instagram questions because yeah. people want to tell their story and then they want to see the experience of other women. And I just find it so profound how much we want to share our experience and have it normalized. Mm -hmm. But yet one thing that I hear over and over and over again is women saying, I felt alone in this, or I thought I was the only one, or no one ever talks about this aspect of it. And so I felt like I was doing something wrong. Hmm. I think it's so important to share that message. And I agree, it's extremely profound. And there's just not enough women talking about it. And that was one of the main reasons I just wanted to go deep into it mm. today. Because yeah. every I'm sure most every woman experiences at least some aspect of this, mm-hmm. you know, this idea that there's no that there's these, like you said, expectations that we're required to meet. 
Right. And then if we don't, (laughs) we wonder, (laughs) am I a bad mom? Am I, you know, am I a bad this, this, this? And it can really get in our mind. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but you, you transform when you become a mother and it's almost mourning the you before you became a mother. Yes. And just that weird, I want to be back to that person, but I'm also not that person anymore. And I'm this new person and figuring out what version of yourself, yourself that you are. Yes. On top of navigating a new body and a new human and just all these new emotions. And it's very overwhelming. Yes. One of my favorite um, people to follow in the field of postpartum, her name is Dr. Alexandra Sachs. And she said, when a baby is born, so is a mother. And it's simple, but it gives me chills every time because Mm -hmm. really it is a new birth of yourself. And I just shared something this week on, on social media about it's okay to mourn that loss. It's Mm -hmm. okay to be sad that things aren't the way they used to be and still love your baby Mm -hmm. tremendously because we're meant to, to mourn losses and welcoming a baby is a loss of a way of life of an understanding of identity in all these different areas. Yeah. When I, I, on a previous podcast, we were talking about pregnancy and one of the most frustrating things that people say to you when you're pregnant is that your life is over once you have kids. Yeah. And it just seems that it's almost the exact opposite. It's just beginning your, your life as a mother and a totally new version of yourself is just beginning. Yes. I'm so glad you say that, you know, a new version of yourself, because that, that presents itself in so many different areas. And I think when women try to fight that or Mm -hmm. don't let that flourish, then that's when they feel this tension. That's when they feel this shame. And it's one of the root causes of a lot of struggles for women is, is not opening up to that new version in all these various areas of their life, which can be such a great, you know, I, I'm a much better person as a mother now than I was before, just for the lessons I've learned, the way I've rooted into my values, you know, the way I see and, and appreciate people. I feel, I feel like I've, you know, had a great awakening as a mother. I love that. And I, that's what I've heard from a lot of mothers just gathering stories for this platform is just so many of them had this awakening once they became a mother and realized that there was a whole other version of themselves that they had to become and that they knew they had to become. Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. It is. Yes, it really is. And I remember when I was pregnant, I went to my spiritual mentor and she was telling me just, she said, when you give birth, not only are you going to have just the most amazing love for this child, but you're going to look in the mirror Mm -hmm. and you're not even going to recognize yourself anymore, but you are going to realize how beautiful you Mm -hmm. are too. And just the way she said it, I was thinking, wow, I cannot just wait to meet the new me. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you are spreading that message because that, man, what she told you is something that if women heard that Mm -hmm. in their pregnancy and they anticipated looking at themselves in this beautiful, appreciative way Mm -hmm. would change a lot of lives. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I don't necessarily feel that on a daily basis, but I do at least (laughs) once a day try to look in the mirror and just... (laughs) 
feel that because it, it does help. But of course, there's still just this weird disconnect from your body after giving birth. And it's a really difficult period of really getting to know the new way it moves. And it's not the same as it used to be. And it's rough waters navigating, but I do try at least once a day to yes. remember that because it is hard. Yes, it is. And we do, I mean, it's with a lot of things. We have to be really intentional about yeah. that and know uh, one thing that I encourage women to do is unfollow a social media account if it's making you feel like crap or don't read a magazine or you yes. know follow a particular blog. If every time you leave feeling bad about yourself, we have to put up those boundaries because like you said, we're biologically wired in, in many ways. And we have to um, know where to set those boundaries yeah. for ourselves. And it's so hard too, in this day and age, because with social media and even with our own phones, everything, it's so easy to compare ourselves, And it's so easy to go back in your camera roll from a year ago and look at pictures of yourself. Right. And just mourn, mourn that you don't look like that anymore. Or, right. and, and it's so hard to see yourself as everyone else sees you because you just feel so out of touch and not like that person anymore. Yes. One, I mean, it really did take me two postpartum experiences to have a, a much different outlook on this, but I, so again, my physical appearance was a huge priority to me post first baby. And I probably got in better shape than I was before baby. Um, but I look back and I wasn't happier. I wasn't more fulfilled. I was full of a lot of anxiety and I had put a lot of pressure on myself, which also manifested into a lot of pressure on my son being upset when he didn't sleep when I wanted to, or wanting to play when I wanted to work out. And I, I really remind myself of this many times, I was not a happier, more fulfilled mom because of that. And when I was doing health coaching, I found often that women, you know, they thought that, that something with body image would change their, their emotional state or their mental state or their uh, relationships. But then they would achieve these goals and still feel this, this, disconnect in a lot of areas. And that was when I started to move into um, a more expansive and a more um, focused on postpartum in, in different areas of life kind of coaching. I love that you said that because I think that's such an important message too. Mm. of just thinking that when blank happens, I'll finally mm. be happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I struggle with that a lot. And I try to remind myself, why can't you just be happy right now? Right. What's holding you back? The truth is we'll pick something else. Yeah. When we get to that benchmark, we'll have another one that we'll try to strive for. Ugh. Why can't we all just be happy? <laughs> I know. I know. There's just so many pressures in different ways. I know. So let's talk about the five pillars of postpartum. Yes. Thank you for asking. So again, kind of what I just shared, this was birthed out of um, realizing that there were various areas that women were challenged and feeling alone in their postpartum experience. Um, even I would spend time on Pinterest or other search engines. Um, I would use the hashtag like postpartum goals on Instagram. And the images are pretty much all the same. 
and I have done research um, with a number of women. I think we're getting close to a thousand who have completed a survey uh, specifically about postpartum. And the resounding answer has been that there are many areas that they feel the need to reconnect with themselves and have support and education in. And so I boiled this down to these five pillars of postpartum. Um, I choose the word pillars because, you know, pillars kind of connect the foundation to something that's growing, something that is um, almost on a platform. And and I feel like these are the five things that help us to to build a foundation so that we can grow and we can flourish as mothers. And so these five pillars are emotional, mental, physical, relational, and personal identity. Mm. And we can pretty much put, you know, a lot of things that women are talking about into one of these five pillars as far as the transitions they're experiencing, um, the areas that they're, they're changing and growing and feeling like you know, they, they might feel alone. They might feel like they need extra support. And so these are the five pillars that I use to coach women um, through postpartum and give them some light on things to expect, um, normalize some of the conversations that are often taboo and give them a space to practice some of these things with prompts, with some journaling, and maybe some conversation topics for friends or family. So what are some of the taboo topics that you feel like women feel uncomfortable talking about postpartum? Well, probably no surprise to anyone listening. My top blog post and conversation is postpartum sex. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it is a uh, as Pinterest says, this post is on fire. (laughs) Everyone wants to read about it. No one wants to talk about it. Mm. And so I think this, this incorporates physical, emotional, relational, and Mm -hmm. identity and mental. All of them, all of them. Encompasses all of this. And it's not just about how your body has physically changed postpartum. It's about how you perceive yourself, mm-hmm. uh, the time you are or are not being able to connect with your partner in this really busy time of little sleep and, you know, high needs, tiny humans, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's incorporates our mental state, our emotional state, all of it. So that is definitely, um, one area that is taboo that women, do want to be hearing about, um, even if it's not what they're going to go talk to their friends at work about. (laughs) Yes. I think uh, mental health, postpartum mental health is another area that uh, right now as we're recording in May, it happens to be Mental Health Awareness Month. And just a couple of weeks ago, specifically was Maternal Mental Health Week. And so Fortunately, there has been more light brought to maternal mental health. However, you know, we always have a ways to go. Mm -hmm. And most people, when they think of postpartum mental health, they have this image of someone who is depressed and they don't want to get out of bed and they don't want to take care of their baby. Um, That might be, that is one way that mental health might manifest, but there are a, a 
many other ways, you know, that our hormones are shifting. And Mm -hmm. just, again, our whole experience is taking us to another level and our mental health can struggle to be in the same place it was before. And so talking about some of the different symptoms like postpartum rage or postpartum OCD, those aren't talked about as much, but women are really engaging the conversation when it does come up. Um, And I've heard a lot of, wow, I thought I was the only one or I thought I was just a bad mom. Hmm. Another one that I've been hearing a lot about is postpartum anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Which I can only imagine. I mean, I've, I've felt some of that myself and just knowing that there's not, I'm not the only one. And I also feel like in this day and age, there's just with Google, I don't know how any parent's before Google ever survived. Oh, I don't know. Also a blessing and a curse. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because you realize that, oh, what I'm feeling might be a thing, but then, oh, I'm also still alone in this. Yes. And then you put into, you know, perspective how hard it can be for a mom to get out to a doctor's appointment or, Mm -hmm. you know, a support group or talk to a therapist. Um, I love therapy. It's really hard to get out and do that as a stay-at-home mom. Yes. Yes, I can attest to that. Yeah. It's very I the first week that my mom was not here and it was just me and my husband and my daughter. There were three different occasions where we actually got out of the house on time. <laughs> and I thought to myself, we deserve a medal or oh, yes. an ice cream <laughs> or something because I feel like this isn't usually a thing. Uh-huh. And it's probably because she was still so tiny and was just sleeping. So it made it a lot easier. But still, I felt a little pride in that moment that yes. we had to be punctual. <laughs> I I love that you just brought up, um, you know, the timing and how, you know, they're younger, they sleep a lot, um, which is great because we're catching up from a ton of change from delivery and and welcoming a new baby into the world. Um, Another topic that has come up recently is the timeframe given to postpartum. Mm. And it's kind of ambiguous, but we have a couple, again, benchmarks with six weeks Um, that standard six week checkup where they say, okay, you can go exercise and have sex. And Mm -hmm. we're like, wait, what? (laughs) That's literally all my doctor said. She's like, okay, you're good. You're cleared. You can have sex now. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) bye. (laughs) See you in here. (laughs) Yes. And so, so then some women are struggling after that appointment, um, and they think, well, now what's wrong with me? Because postpartum's over. I should have everything together now. <laughs> and that is not true from any state, um, biologically, physically, no. mentally, emotionally. Like, so, you know, and some people say, oh, well, 12 weeks in America is a fairly standard maternity leave. So let's define postpartum by that. But really, it's this ambiguous term. And some, some organizations are giving it up until two years, which I think is a much more appropriate discussion on postpartum. So when women say, hey, postpartum coaching group, how, 
I don't know, I had my baby five weeks ago or five months ago. I would still consider that this postpartum time after baby where you're undergoing a lot of transitions. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things my mom told me, which I've, I mean, my daughter's only eight weeks old, but I've realized is true is that once you get used to and comfortable with your baby, they change (laughs) and everything goes out the window. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And And as that happens, they change. You start to kind of change your expectations of yourself, of your partner, of your, you know, your work, all of these different areas. And there are going to be hurdles to that as well. And, you know, your hormones are still changing. Women, if if they're choosing to breastfeed, then their hormones are continuing to change. And at the point when they wean, there is often a depression associated with that because of this large hormonal shift. Similarly, women are getting their menstrual cycles back at different times. Like this also has a huge effect. I know. I mine, so when I was pregnant. I had terrible sign. I've I always have sinus issues and allergies, but they were terrible, and I just had a stuffy, runny nose, and I couldn't smell anything. <laughs> <laughs> and now, postpartum, I have the pregnancy nose where I can smell a dirty sock from a mile oh, no. away. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so it's still happening. It's still happening, and yes. hormones are just a crazy, crazy thing. Yes, they make you feel crazy. Oh, and I totally knew that prior to baby, but man, having a baby sure does prove that to be true. Oh, yeah. And then you really look at just your body and the way you feel and you just sit with yourself. And I always wonder how much of this is just a blanket of hormones Mm. and then how much of this is really just me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a question I probably ask on a daily basis. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Especially because when I was, when I became pregnant, everyone told me, oh, you're going to have such luxurious hair from all the hormones and it's going to be so shiny and glowy and my hair didn't grow at all. Nothing nothing happened. And I bet no one said, but at three or four months, it's probably going to fall out. Yeah. What are, what are these little wispy hairs? That's what I want to know. Right. If someone could just decode that and just Mm. do a whole podcast on postpartum wispy hairs, I would love to listen to that. Yes. There has to be a science. (laughs) Why? You just don't know about them until you start to experience it. And you know, it's funny because last summer when I was, I must've been 10 weeks pregnant and I was in my sister's best friend's wedding and she's like my little sister and her matron of honor had just given birth. I think she was about six months postpartum and she had the little wispy hairs and we were getting (laughs) our hair done. She's like, oh, I just can't stand these little postpartum wispy hairs. And I just thought, okay, that's really, I feel bad that that's happening to you. And then now Uh here I am with all these little wispy Yes. My toddler the other day was like, mom, get your hair out of this drain. (laughs) I can't help it. (laughs) I'm waiting for that to happen. I I have my hair has not started to come out yet, but when it does, I have probably four times the amount of hair as the regular person. So when it does, it's going to be interesting. (laughs) Hormones. So fun. (laughs) So many times. 
So what kind of reception for the women that you've worked with postpartum, really coming into their own and sitting with this whole journey that postpartum is and really overcoming all these barriers and breaking down these expectations? How have they come out the other side? Yeah. So this transition is fairly new for me, but I will say that, you know, I've been able to spend the last few months really focusing on it and and focusing more on individuals to kind of learn on this more intimate level. And I think the biggest thing that stands out is when people say I the more I drop my comparisons, the the better mother I feel like I am, the more in tune with myself I feel like I am. And yet, you know, as we said, comparison is this huge monster that we face. And yeah, comparison and timelines seem to be these two areas and they, they go hand in hand, but that women say that when they can move past that, they, they feel free. They feel like their life is, is theirs. They're able to engage. They're able to move more confidently. And yet the, those are big monsters to kick. Mm-hmm. Ugh, they really are. I just am being so deep in the fourth trimester. I really understand it. And I didn't, I really didn't know what to expect going into it because I had such a rough first trimester and such a rough third trimester that I thought, you know, postpartum is probably going to be a breeze compared to this. <laughs> and especially as I'm laying in bed with my uh-huh. pregnancy insomnia, like tangled uh-huh. up in a pregnancy pillow. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> just imagining I can't wait to A, not be pregnant anymore, but B, to get back to be myself. But, you know, we don't, I don't know if I necessarily even could ever imagine what postpartum was going to be like. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's something I think about a lot is, you know, can we give women tools and insights and share our stories? Yes. And I think that's our responsibility. Can we prepare a woman fully? <laughs> no, no, because it is such a unique mm-hmm. experience. It really is. And that's where the freedom comes. That's also, you know, where a challenge comes because yeah. we can't tell you this is how it's going to be. Yeah, but at least having the support and the message out there and just knowing that you're not alone, I think can do wonders because even if it's not the same exact journey for everyone, there's still similar themes and similar emotions and they all manifest similarly depending whether or not the situation is necessarily the same. Yes, and and that hits on one thing that I have seen be very beneficial for women in their postpartum stage is first having things normalized for them. Um, normalizing things gives us a sense of validation and kind of takes away this shame or the the burden that we've put on ourselves and then empowers them to take that conversation to other people in their life instead of having this anxiety about telling your husband how you feel or your boss at work how you feel or you know your mother mother-in-law having this confidence to first feel validated and then take that to these other areas of your life 
allows you to remove some of those stressful barriers of expectation, of shame, and it seems to really improve these other areas of women's lives. Yeah. I I love that. I think validation is key. And I hope that some women out there listening will feel validated to know you're not alone in this postpartum journey. Yes. And no matter how long your postpartum journey is. Right. Yes, definitely. And I think, you know, some women have shared that they feel like themselves in four or five weeks. And that is awesome. Wow. Some women say that they haven't felt like themselves for a year and a half or two years. And that is fine too. Mm-hmm. I know. And then it's so hard to, once you say you don't feel like yourself and then you're a whole different version of yourself, discovering what it feels like to feel like yourself. Yes. Yes. I think that hits a nail right on the head that we, you know, especially as people, maybe like you and I who like control, we want to be able to define things. We want to Mm -hmm. be able to kind of follow, follow a script. And when we feel so out of sorts about who we are, that really feels like being out of control in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And I think (laughs) It's difficult for me. I think it's difficult for all of us, but being able to say, hey, I am in a season. I am in a season of transition, which means I might discover this part of myself right after birth, but that might change in three or four weeks or three or four months. These areas are going to continue to grow and change. And so being open to that fluid part of ourselves also gives us some freedom. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And then I think that's one of the amazing things that mindfulness and having any kind of mindful practice really helps with is being present in the moment and just taking it day by day. Mm -hmm. That's really all you can do is just showing up each day and putting in the effort and then tomorrow's a new day and we repeat and we just... Mm It's the practice, it's the consistency, and just having that hope that once we get into, like you said, a fluid motion of it, it just, it will start to, we'll stop comparing and we'll really just be in the moment and moving forward. Yes. And I know one of your guests on an earlier podcast mentioned taking those first few minutes in the morning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I find myself in such a different mindset um, Mm -hmm. when I wake up and open my phone versus when I wake up and I take even five minutes to have some gratitude, to have a vision for my day and feel like I am intentionally being present and contributing instead of just taking in. And if I open my phone first thing in the morning, even though I know I shouldn't, sometimes I do. And Mm -hmm. I totally can feel the different experience right away. And so, you know, that's a challenge I give to myself. That's a challenge I give to the women I work with and to these listeners is to say, you know, as moms, we don't have a lot of free time. And so if someone's telling you, you know, to go take these hours (laughs) to practice different things, that might not be realistic, Mm-mm. but five minutes, you know, it's something we, we owe ourselves and we owe our families and the people we're around because 
we got to bring our best selves to the table and we got to start off on that right foot. Yes, I can completely attest to that because the last I've, we've been trying to get my daughter on a schedule and uh-huh. oh gosh, the, that's a whole other podcast. But uh, the past few mornings, she's finally been getting up around the same time. So I was able mm-hmm. to get up before her and just have a few minutes. And I can tell you the last two mornings when I was able to have a few minutes to myself to tidy up, to really just sit with myself do a little bit of journaling and just really breathe and mm-hmm. have silence the the happiness and the flow and just being present in the moment that went through the whole entire rest of the day was completely a 180 from mm-hmm. the few days before that sure yeah and i think you make a great point that our kids aren't always going to be on the schedule we want nope. them to be on <laughs> um my son took probably two years to have some decent sleep patterns. But there there came a time where I realized, hey, I can say to my husband, I need five minutes. Mm-hmm. I need it. This is not like a, I would like, this is not a luxury. This is, I need five minutes. And my son might be upset that I'm taking it, or it might cause mm-hmm. more stress in these other areas, but I need it. Yes. And then the benefit from those five minutes back into those areas is where the magic happens. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. (laughs) I think that's the general theme. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And how do we say that to pregnant women without scaring them, but being realistic? Because when we enter with this you know, people say, oh, it's going to be the best time of your life. You're going to love this baby right away. You're going to fall more in love with your partner when you see them with your child. You're going to, you know, all of these things. And then that might not be your experience to a T. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, what did I do wrong? Yeah. And I think we've got to release women from that thought of what did I do wrong or why am I a bad mom? Yes. And just say, our experiences are going to be different. Mm-hmm. Love the joyful, but also make room for the things that are hard. Yes. And also just validation that every journey mm-hmm. is different. And yes. even if for someone who's having a harder or easier time than you, still being able to talk about it. Yeah. Because I think that's one of the biggest issues when I, with my pregnancy, that was really hard. I feel like people didn't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was feeling miserable or like, I can't do this anymore, no one knew what to say. And if someone had just been like, you are doing a fucking amazing job and growing a human, you got this, that would have changed everything, but everyone just didn't know what to say. And yeah. It's so, you know, and the same goes for postpartum. Yeah. Sometimes we don't know what to say, but to validate that every truth is valid and to honor every journey, I think that's the most important part. Yes. Yes. I, in my newsletter this week, I ended with find someone this week that's having a hard time and just say, hey, I see you. I appreciate you. You know, we don't have to have the answer. We're Mm -hmm. such problem solvers, but really we just need to say, Hey, 
I've had a problem too, or I, you know, I see you, mm-hmm. I validate you. And it's not perfect and it's messy and that's okay. And I'm here every yes. step of the way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we get over our need to fix or to put, you know, rose colored glasses over everything, we're able to just sit in the moment and appreciate that there are highs and lows and struggles and victories and Mm -hmm. we can be moving through them all. Yes. I love that. I always tell my husband that because sometimes I just want to vent to him and I just want him to listen and he, uh-huh. like, they want to fix it. And I'm like, I don't yes. want you to, I don't want you to fix anything. And this oh. is just my truth and my perception. I just want to vent about it and decompress it and just listen. And then it's over with. Yes. It sounds like, are you an external processor? Yes. Oh yeah. Is he? No. Okay. I totally understand you. (laughs) We live in that story too. (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't fix me. Just let me vent. (laughs) Yeah. And then the the same thing went for pregnancy and postpartum. He just wants to fix it. And I'm like, there's nothing to be fixed. This (laughs) is just a journey. I am simply expressing myself and then we're going to move forward. Yes. But it's funny. Definitely kids kids really help you to hone your communication skills. Yes, that's <laughs> for sure. And trying to make it short and sweet while yes. <laughs> in between. Yes. Sometimes you have to be as succinct as possible while the baby's crying and uh-huh. then move on. Yeah, text messages. Never thought I would use them so much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My husband, he's a teacher. And so he's looking forward to summer break, but I send Uh a daily, a daily picture to get him through the end of the school year. That's great. Yeah. And it's so funny. Just all of our fam. well, his parents live in California and mine live three hours away in upstate New York. So okay. Just, you know, the daily how's the baby doing too, which is another thing of postpartum that everyone asks how she's doing, but what about (laughs) me? Yes. I mean, I feel like people aren't ready to receive your response. Yes, which is true. I don't know if they want the answer. (laughs) (laughs) But what if we just started saying it? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I think that it's it's important to just like you said just say I see you uh-huh. I see yeah. what you're doing you're doing an amazing job even yeah. if they let in with wow she's so cute you're doing an amazing job okay back to her uh-huh. <laughs> you know yeah but luckily my parents do do a good job of asking how I am but it's very quick to then ask how the baby's doing but sure yeah. I love them anyway. I understand that. <laughs> they're first time grandparents, so they have to, you know, they're so smitten oh my with gosh. her. Oh yeah. Yes. That that baby has a special, special place. Yes, she does. <sighs> oh. Well, thank you so much for diving into all things postpartum with me. And I can't wait to see all the amazing, wow, I can't talk. It's getting past my bedtime. I understand that too. (laughs) I see see you. (laughs) Yay. See all the amazing things you're going to do with the five pillars of postpartum group coaching group. See, look, I've lost the ability to speak (laughs) like a normal human being. (laughs) I love it. The group coaching course. That is, that's what it is, right? I yes. Said that right. Okay. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> yes, and it 
So I like to end this podcast with just some words of wisdom for anyone who might be having a rough time out there. So what are your wise words to close out today's episode with? Yeah, well, I actually have this right on the wall beside me. um, And I wrote this in the week after my grandmother passed. So I will leave you with this. To be resilient and yet still allow yourself to feel the array of your feelings, to me, that is your strength. Thank you for listening to Enlightened Hood, a movement that empowers mindful motherhood and sees the beauty in every woman's why. If you would like to be part of our community, find us on Instagram at Enlightened Hood and subscribe to this podcast where we put out new episodes every Monday and Wednesday.